This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, I was about to say happy Monday. Ah! <laughs> but it's a, it's a short week or it's, you know, because of the long weekend. We're starting on Tuesday. I don't know how many times I have to say this. If there's going to be a holiday... Give me yes, yes. a day afterwards I agree. to recuperate. Totally. Who else feels that? I know me. I'm not the only one. I was thinking that too, and then I was like, well, then that day you need a day to recuperate, and then it continues no, on No, not even. I just needed one more day. I agree. I ended up having a fabulous 4th of July weekend. You know? How was your I weekend? Know. It was good, although I made um, a bad decision to drive places yesterday. Never do that. I mean, you were keep the, it simple. You found a rock outside, and you were like, "This is my meditation hub." I well, saw that, that online. Was I was like, Saturday. That was actually Sunday. That was my good. That was a good day. Okay. It was the July Fourth day. Oh. I decided to get a bit aggressive, and oh, I should have came kept, over. I had a little bit of a pool kept thing. It simple. I didn't get go that east. Oh, you should have came but, over. Um, yes, I decided to. Even though I was outside of LA, I said, "You know, some friends are inviting me places. I want to see them." Well, you know what? They could have seen me another day. <laughs> yeah, because then you were stuck in traffic. I, I was like, why am I doing this? Anyway, how Bad was idea. your weekend? You were in New Orleans. I was. Uh, I was in New Orleans for two days, and it was one of the most chaotic, crazy two days. Um, I um, I don't even know how to explain New Orleans. Days? Yeah, it was two days. Holy it was, mother. It was wild. There was barely any sleep that it had, um, but I had such a beautiful time. New Orleans feels like its own little small country. It feels like it's not even a part of this. The culture there just feels wild. Yeah. Um, but I had a beautiful time. I saw a lot of familiar faces, saw a lot of friends, and um, it was wonderful. I have to go back. But one thing I will not do, and as I wrap this yeah. up, every Uber or car that we had, I literally kept asking the driver, are you serious about living here? Because how do you handle the heat? Are you happy? Because it literally felt like, it's hot. like you know, the inside of Satan. Mm-hmm. It was so hot. I It was unbearable. But that was my only complaint. For the most part, you get drunk and you don't even think about it. That's why you get drunk. There you go. Okay, lots coming up on the show. It's been just over a week since the fall of Roe. We're covering what we've seen come up in courts, laws, policy since then. We'll also be talking about the possibility of a recession. Biden says it's not going to happen, but he might be the only one saying that. That's coming up next hour. Let's get into some what's trending this hour because, uh, you know, while lots of people were having fun, there was also a tragedy that happened over the weekend. At least six people were killed in a shooting in downtown Highland Park, Illinois. You haven't heard you can't have fun anymore in the United States because if you do, there's a mass shooting that's going to occur. 
And this occurred during, of course, their 4th of July parade. Dozens have been injured. The shooting suspect is 21-year-old Robert E. Cremo III, who has not been charged, was taken into custody. Last night, police say he used a high-powered rifle in the attack. Here is um, President Joe Biden, actually, and First Lady Jill Biden released a statement yesterday in response to the parade shooting, and here's more. There was a shooter, as you well know, in uh, Highland Park in Chicago. And uh, they have, I talked to the governor and to the mayor. We're giving all the help we can possibly give. I just wanted to keep... um, it's a slight moment of silence for all those families. You all heard what happened. You all heard what happened today. But each day, we're reminded there's nothing guaranteed about our democracy, nothing guaranteed about our way of life. We have to fight for it, defend it, and earn it by voting. Uh, well, yeah, well said, and definitely it, it's sad and frustrating to see the least string, everything happening. We're going to talk more about that in 15 minutes on the show. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Republican Representative of Colorado, Lauren Boebert, commented on the recent shooting in Denmark, claiming that the shooting serves as evidence that strict gun control laws don't work. She tweeted, there was just a mass shooting in Denmark, a country with some of the strictest gun laws in Europe. It's time to admit that gun laws do not stop mass shootings. What she, of course, failed to mention is that it was Denmark's first mass shooting in seven years and that the U.S. has had more mass shootings this past weekend. And finally, a new Omicron subvariant now comprises a majority of U.S. COVID cases, according to this new data released by the CDC. And the FDA last week advised vaccine makers to target these new subvariants and their updated vaccines that they are preparing for this fall. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in... Uh, entertainment news. Okay, so Macy Gray is in the hot seat. Yeah, you probably haven't heard her name in a long time, but guess what? She decided to put her mouth, her foot in it, and uh, we got to play the clip to prove it. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So Macy Gray decided to go on Piers Morgan's show for whatever reason and should have led with that because, of course, she would have known that that was a bad idea. And um, she gave her, basically, her thoughts in the transgender debate, telling Piers Morgan that being a woman requires being born with boobs and a vagina. Here is uh, the clip that is circulating as a promo moment for this god-awful interview. And I I will say this, and everybody's going to hate me, but as a woman, just because you go change your parts doesn't make you a woman. Right. Sorry. You feel that? I know that for a fact. So the host observed that public figures are often wary of being candid on the controversial issue due to a fear of backlash. And then then she agreed to finding a woman as a human being with boobs. And how about you start there, she said, and have a vagina. The singer clarified that she backs trans rights, but drew the line at athletic competition. She said, if you want me to call you a her, I will, because that's what you want. But that doesn't make you a woman just because I call you a her and just because you got a surgery. She also threw her support behind author J.K. Rowling, who, of course, has also been uh, criticized for her outspoken views on turf matters. Um, She said, I don't think you should be called transphobic just because you don't agree. There's a lot of judgment in throwing stones at people for just saying what it is. Do you know what I mean? A woman goes through a completely unique experience in surgery and finding oneself doesn't change that. Being a little girl is a whole epic book, you know? You can't have that just because you want to be a woman. What say you, Sheer Lazar, before we I have mean, to get out of here? Horrible, bad, bad. I, I'm like, I, I feel uh, sad and 
really annoyed that she thinks this way and said this. It's really unfortunate. That's all I have to say about that. And of course, Piers Morgan, evil man, was like, really? Say that again. Let me get that soundbite. More, more. All right. He fed into it. We got to go. That's your T-Report. I'm tired Bad. of talking about my Gray. Um, what's coming up next? Uh, coming up, details on the Highland Park shooting that occurred yesterday at the 4th of July celebration and what you need to know. Details coming up today. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. At least seven people were killed in a shooting in downtown Highland Park, Illinois, during a 4th of July parade. Dozens have been injured, according to officials, and police have identified the shooting suspect. He was taken into custody hours after the shooting, but had not been charged with a crime. Now, here to give us more details on the situation and the suspect is tech reporter Garrett DeVink from The Washington Post. Thanks for being back with us. Of course. So I guess we know who the suspect is and... Is there any anything else that's coming out as of today? Yeah, we actually just had a new press conference from the police over in Highland Park where they said that they actually had two incidents with the suspect. His name is Robert Cremo III. He's 21 years old. Uh, he lived in the area of where the shooting was. And the police said several years ago that there was a call to them that um, the suspect had attempted suicide um, they checked in on him and they said that, you know, the matter was uh, sort of followed up with by mental health professionals. And then in 2019, there was another incident where also a family member, it's unclear who, called the police saying that uh, the suspect was a danger to the family. The police came to the residence and removed a bunch of knives um, and and sort of left it at that. And so that's kind of the latest evidence, uh, sorry, the latest news that we're getting today from police in the area. Yeah, now the, the police actually, they also said that he was plotting this for several weeks. What does that really mean when they're saying plotted this? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what they mean by that. I mean, I, I think, you know, the police are also not necessarily releasing all the information that they have. Uh, they are, you know, obviously still investigating. And, and again, you know, we also, you know, want to take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, sometimes the police have things wrong. Sometimes um, they're releasing information that they're not sure of themselves yet. But yes, right. I mean, it does look from their perspective at this point that this was, you know, premeditated. Um, you know, he was able to get this weapon, it looks like, legally. Uh, there was another weapon found in his car when he was arrested. So, he, at this point, looks like he had at least two weapons. Police haven't said exactly what they are, except to say that it, one of them was an AR-15 or sort of a, a rifle similar to an AR-15. So it does look like an assault rifle. Also, when you look at some of the video footage and hear the sound of the bullets, uh, the rifle was firing very quickly. The number of people that were shot also shows that, you know, this was a weapon that could shoot very quickly and cause a lot of damage in a short period of time. Oh, wow. I mean, terrifying. Have you been able to talk to anyone who was there? I personally have not, but a lot of my colleagues have. We have several people on the ground um, who are there, you know, talking to um, some of the people who were injured themselves, some of the families of people who were injured. And, yeah, I mean, this is a, a, a community that was just trying to have their July 4th parade. It's a very popular one in the area. Um, it's a historically Jewish community, actually. And so a lot of the questions people have been asking is, did that have anything to do with the suspect's motive 
or why he targeted this area. And right now we don't have any evidence that yeah. um, this was specifically anti-Semitic or anything like that. Um, you know, I actually did speak yesterday to an expert on sort of um, Internet subcultures and misinformation and, and sort of, you know, right wing Internet forums and that kind of thing. And, and he had combed through the suspect's Internet presence, which is, is quite broad. Actually, he has a lot of um, YouTube videos. Yep. He was quite active on Spotify, posting songs of his. Um, but this expert I spoke to said, looking through all that, there's no clear uh, evidence that the suspect had a specific ideology, whether it was, um, you know, his attack was racist or whether it was anything to do with either a right wing or left wing ideology. Of course, we could still get more information on that. Um, but at this point, we cannot definitively say why he did this attack. Wow. And so I guess what have you been hearing on the political side about this? Obviously, we played a clip earlier um, about what President Biden had to say about this. But is there any news from the local government there and their thoughts about how this has impacted the community? Yeah, well, you know, we we do have a governor's race in Illinois coming up in November. And uh, the Democrat, J.B. Pritzker, is sort of favored to win, but he is facing a Republican contender uh, whose name is Darren Bailey, who was endorsed by President Trump and won the Republican primary just about a week ago. And, you know, just two hours after the shooting, so before the person was caught, before we knew the actual extent to the damage, the injuries, the deaths, um, you know, the Republican candidate for governor put out a video um, with him and his supporters praying for victims and for law enforcement but then also saying, you know, let's move on. Uh, he, he actually used those specific words and to say, let's move on and continue celebrating July 4th. And so that was definitely something that, at least on social media, got a lot of people upset, you know, just sort of um, that, that this person who's running for office in the state would, would try to sort of um, put it that way. I mean, he did yeah. clarify after and say on Twitter that he, you know, was very, I uh, was thinking very deeply of, of, um, the victims and that kind of thing. And they didn't necessarily mean to be glib, but yeah, obviously when these things happen, um, it because of politics in the United States and how charged this issue is and, and how divisive it has become on the political spectrum, uh, you have these conversations inevitably. Okay. Well, that was tech reporter Garrett Devank from the Washington Post. Thank you again for being with us today. Anytime. What's coming up next, Ryan? All right. So we have to talk about after a week of the fall of Roe v. Wade, how has it affected abortion care so far? Well, we have that conversation coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, courtroom battles over abortion access have been ramping up. Judges recently postponed the implementation of abortion bans in some states and allowed others to go into effect. Now, meanwhile, red state leaders have pushed new restrictions as some blue states enacted fresh protections for abortion providers. Here to cover what's happening all across the country is uh, Ellen Alones, a weekend reporter at Vox. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, how you doing? You know, I am doing better now that we have you to come break all of this down because it has obviously, we're dealing with so much even after, you know, what happened over the 4th of July weekend. But when you're thinking about Roe v. Wade, how has it already impacted the the rest of the country? How have we seen it uh, impact abortion care? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question we're already seeing. Um, <clears throat> as you mentioned, you know, a lot of states have trigger laws uh, that were supposed to go into effect um, when uh, Dobbs versus uh, Jackson Women's Health Organization was decided um, on June 24th. And uh, that's, of course, the decision that overturned Roe versus Wade. Um, but what we're seeing is it's not super straightforward because, um, as you can expect, uh, lots of clinics and activist organizations are mounting legal challenges to the uh, laws in states like Mississippi, uh, Louisiana. Um, so there's, you know, and, and in Texas, there's been a lot of switching back and forth, essentially, so that clinic providers and, and patients as well are, you know, it can change from one day to the next whether an abortion service is legal. And it's uh, really terribly confusing, and that won't let up anytime soon. The legal landscape around um, abortion is really going to change a lot. And while there were uh, some states that had their trigger laws, there were also some more uh, local or state courts where they blocked that. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, that's definitely uh, that happened in Texas and um, that happened also in Mississippi, um, Louisiana, Kentucky. So uh, there have been efforts to uh, by um, courts to block uh, those laws. Uh, or at least, you know, issue stays while different cases are being decided. So, you know, that just, uh, in a sense, is a victory for people who are seeking abortions because then they can, you know, receive that care. But it's also just really, you know, whiplash-inducing. Yeah, I can only imagine. And I, I think we, we've even had conversations about how this impacts, like, telehealth. Um, and mm -hmm. I wonder what what does that really mean for like telehealth pro abortion care providers and how does it impact the work that they're doing? Yeah, so, I mean, the main way that telehealth is used in abortion care is, of course, to um, to prescribe the abortion pill, RU486. And there's some confusion around that as well. I mean, you know, technically many, many places um, can still ship uh, the abortion pill across state lines, but then there are some places that are trying to or have already outlawed telehealth for abortion care. So, you know, it's there are going to be these massive differences from state to state that will make make laws very hard to enforce when you're dealing with issues that cross state lines, like, for example, somebody leaving a state to seek abortion care or ordering um, the abortion pill. Um, in a state where abortions are illegal. So it's really, really not cut and dry. It's really not straightforward. And there's there's only going to be a lot of panic and confusion and messiness that ensues. Definitely. And Biden has said that the federal government will act to protect women who need to cross state lines to get an abortion and ensure their access to medication in states where it's banned. Is that true? Because I think the biggest fear is that local lawmakers and governors are going to end up fighting that somehow. And then we get into this space where, yeah, like women are, or those who are, can birth and have a, a child and get pregnant are now stuck with no solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think 
Some of it is a question of access, right? It'll depend on who, it'll always be a question of access. It'll depend on who can, um, you know, get childcare, who can go out of state to get an abortion, who has money to travel, who can take time off of work, whose work is going to pay for them to travel, issues like whether it's safe for people. So that, you know, that has not, um, that hasn't changed. That was an issue even before this was decided. But what we haven't seen on the part of the federal government is concrete action. You know, like there are some steps that the administration can take. They can issue some executive orders. But what um, what Dobbs versus Jackson did is, you know, by by eliminating the constitutional right to abortion, um, it's not a federal issue anymore. It's a state issue. Right. So Mm -hmm. these states are going to these legislators are going to try and. Um, you know, express and expound and expand uh, these laws as far as they're capable of doing. Um, And they're going to try and push it really far on both in terms of um, trying to deny access to abortion and in terms of trying to give access to abortion. So, you know, it's, it's not very, I guess there are actions the federal government can take, but I think you're still going to see these state issues that are, you know, there, there are still going to be legal questions, and there are still going to be people who are unfortunately caught up in in these issues. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ellen Ionis, for joining us. Ellen is a weekend reporter at Vox.com. Check out more of her work, and we really appreciate you for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, next up, what is gay heightism, and have you experienced it, Ryan? What? Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A new Reddit thread is bringing up an issue in the gay community around heightism. Heightism is that you are against certain people's height, specifically shorter people. Uh, Someone posted on Reddit slash short. Anyone else get random hate DMs? I'll leave you be. Honestly, you are short as hell. 410, that's gross, dude. Take care. It's not funny, but it's kind of funny. Ryan! <laughs> I am a reformed Titus, actually. You mean a reformed or a... Uh, yeah, reformed Titus. I'm no longer a Titus because I... Wouldn't be reformed like you are a yes. retired Titus. No. Oh, yeah, right. Whatever. Or just, you've left it behind. Reformed you. means that I've fixed it, right? Reform means, like, you've tweaked it. You reformed <laughs> it. You've, like... Well, I'm kind of okay. <laughs> See, that's why I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I am. I was never someone who was sending hate messages. Like, that's gross. But, um, you know, on my way back from New Orleans, I happened to get You're picked... progressive Titus? Uh, I kind of am. I, I, um, I, my flight got delayed three hours, and uh, there was a guy sitting next to me in one seat over, and he heard me like on the phone. I was just like talking about my frustrations of being like stranded in this like airport for, like since seven. Talking that loud that they heard He's you. He's sitting next to me. Oh, okay. You clearly aren't listening. Um, and uh, he uh, then uh, you know starts he picks up a conversation and asks to. Uh, go grab a drink at one of the bars nearby. And then we ended up, uh, you know, getting a drink. And we ended up going to dinner once we landed. And then we ended up having a nightcap. And you want to know how tall he was? How tall? He was 5'4". Nice. You know what? But that's because I think you met him in person. 5'4". But the reason why 
I let it ride was because there was something about the directness of his energy. Like, I really appreciated this man for being so direct, being like, you want to go grab a drink? You want to go get dinner tonight? I, like, that's just not something I'm getting from the five tens and higher. Like, who knew the five fours could give you that? The five fours are getting me, the, <laughs> you know, giving me the energy. So I'm five, four and below now. So come at me, shorties. It's a short oh, king summer. MG. I think you need to just be like, people of all heights, some people suck, some people are great. No, the more it's a, open it's a you short are, king summer and I am here for it. Come at me because y'all got the energy. That man was fine. Little 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 thirty-five year old something something. I was like, oh wow. So you're okay with like He's looking cute. down a bit when you make out? Are you like? <sighs> are you the one? Because I actually I just say he climbs the tree. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. Well, thank you for the visualization. Uh, you're welcome. Um, I So, in the end, <laughs> the lesson is be open to everyone. Yes, and, of course. And you never know what, what could happen, <laughs> where it could lead you. And I hope he's listening, this person. Oh, my God, I hope he's not. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we have more music coming up right here on Channel Q. Uh, plus, we're going to be talking about why black Republicans are energized ahead of midterms. That's in 30 minutes. Plus, why Bette Midler is getting dragged online. Wow, a lot of celebrities getting dragged today. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. President Biden commiserated with pro-choice Americans during his remarks on Monday evening, marking the 4th of July, reminding the country that the U.S. has always been a work in progress. Backwards, that freedom is being reduced, that rights we assume were protected are no longer. A reminder that we remain in an ongoing battle for the soul of America, as we have for over 200 years. I know it can be exhausting and unsettling, but tonight, I want you to know we're going to get through all of this. For all that we have faced, that we are going to get through this, and look how far we've come. 
Julius, you get the point. <laughs> so he, of course, as you heard, pointed out that in the country's 245-year history, the worst part of our past has reached out and pulled us back on occasion, noting that freedoms are under assault. Speaking of freedoms under assault, Brittany Grinder has made an appeal to President Biden in a letter passed to the White House through her reps, saying she feared she might never return home and asking that he not forget about me and the other American detainees. Griner's agent, Lindsay Kagawa Coles, said the letter was delivered yesterday. Most of the letter's contents to President Biden remain private, though Griner's reps share a few lines from the handwritten note. She writes, as I sit here in a Russian prison alone with my thoughts and without the protection of my wife, family, friends, Olympic jersey or any accomplishments, I'm terrified I might be here forever. Of course, many people have been appealing to Trump administration to do something about this and make it a priority. And finally, AIDS advocates and service providers are criticizing California lawmakers and Governor Gavin Newsom for failing to fully address the state's dual epidemics of sexually transmitted infections and drug overdoses, specifically because of opiates in the 2022-2023 budget, despite there being a record surplus of nearly $100 billion. Of the $105 million in new funding, a coalition of nonprofit providers had tried to get a um, new fiscal year budget to address the twinned STIs and drug epidemics. And now we hear a mere 38 million was allocated. The agencies are now calling on state lawmakers to take more actions to fund increased sexual health services and harm reduction efforts for those with drug addictions. Newsom, for a second year in a row, didn't add any of the additional funding that was sought by the AIDS advocates in the budget he submitted to lawmakers. So there's a little gap there while he did add a great new budget. So good on them for the calling that out. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? I don't know what's in the water, but it's turf infested. Um, it's time for your to report those pop culture stories trending right now. You thought Macy Gray was the only one I was going to talk about. No, because singer and gay icon Bette Midler is getting slammed for an anti-trans, um, basically, tweet that she posted to social media claiming that recognizing the humanity of transgender people will, quote, erase women. So she said, women of the world, we are being stripped of our rights over our bodies, our lives, and even our name. They don't call us women anymore. They call us birthing people, our menstruators, and even people with vaginas. Don't let them erase you. Every human on earth owes you. Now, she was referring to inclusive language used in some contexts and referred to people of all genders when it's appropriate. Um including many cisgender women, non-binary people, and transgender men. You know, she's had many gay fans in her decades-long career. She's performed in a gay bathhouse in the early 70s, something she says she's still proud of and has used her platform to speak out for gay rights. So many of her fans were disappointed to see her tweeting this J.K. rowling S statement. Now, my thing is, even in this article, I you know, they're talking about how she's been a, a gay icon and she's a gay fan and she's been, you know, she has tons of gay fans. Um... Being trans, you can't, like, I feel like a lot of people group, like, a trans identity with a uh, sexual identity as well as a gender identity. It's only a gender identity. So as a trans person, you can have a different sexual orientation that is not queer. Yeah. I, I feel like we really need to be clear when we say that. I, yeah. Um, and I think oftentimes it just gets looped. But it's often all, even more harmful when cis women start attacking trans identities. And I think uh, we really have to be careful about that. I mean, Roxanne Gay 
quote, uh, basically tweeted her saying, no one is trying to erase women with inclusive language about people who need abortion care. No one is calling you anything but what you prefer. You should extend that courtesy in return. And I think that's point blank period. Yeah, this is my last story that I'm doing about this. I mean. No more. <laughs> Over it. That's your T-Report. All right. Next up, Biden may be the only person who thinks a recession is not happening. What the Washington Post has to say, or Washington has to say, coming up with a CNBC contributor after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. From Wall Street to Washington, there are whispers about an upcoming economic slump, a.k.a. a recession. Whispers? It's like literally happening. (laughs) That's what it feels like as we are experiencing the highest inflation also in four decades. Back with us is Delano Saporu, a CNBC contributor, to dive in. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me back. I'm excited. I know. I mean, I'm not excited to talk about this because (laughs) at this point, yes, it's not just whispers, is it? People are are saying this is happening pretty much, right? Yeah, people are saying this is happening. On a couple fronts, there's the reason why that is because Technically, the indicators are pointing that way, right? And everyone kind of feels it with prices out of control. Um, you know, companies are starting to get uh, high, doing hiring freezes. They're also starting to lay people off. So, so people are starting to think that we are already there. Now, have we really, really pushed into there? Some people would argue with that, but it's feeling really more like a recession. No, it it really does. And I think I look back at, because I'm only 28, and so the last time I feel like I was witnessing a recession was back in what, like 2006, 2007, that era. And it was one of those things where now that I'm an adult, I feel like millennials, younger millennials are trying to figure out, well, how do you handle the uh, the impacts of a recession now that you're a part of it and not witnessing just the community around you going through it? I guess, how are we seeing people, you know, deal with this? I mean, besides the gas prices, I mean, the food prices, everything just feels like intense right now you're so right you bring up a good point is that we actually did go through one prior to the 2008-2007 housing bubble crisis but it was the shortest one we ever had in the sense of you know our pandemic recession it was obviously long drawn out that we went through the pandemic but it was such a short time of you know we're talking about the stock market specifically um and, and that rebound but to answer your question, there's a lot of things people can do in this situation, or there's a few things people can try. It is going to be very difficult to for people that have an experience this to, you know, maybe go through a, a job dysfunction or go through loss of income. But the big thing is, you know, budgeting correctly, trying to look for ways to cut back. There's really no easy answer, uh, but a lot of people, especially millennials, are going to kind of feel their way out of this, um, hopefully. And, and maybe it's not so deep, right? It could be one that's not as deep as, as predicted or that doesn't last severely long. Definitely. It's all very concerning. Could the administration or the uh, the feds do anything about this to get it to a better place? Or is it kind of like allowing this to play out? Yeah, that's such a good point. And the feds mandate is to help us with this, right? They saw that price stability was having issues. So they increased um, interest rates and the increase in interest rates is what's p- pushing us their job is to make sure they increase interest rates enough where they slow down price increases, but not too much where they slow down growth or we go into recession. And that soft landing that they're aiming for is going to be very difficult, and that's their mandate. As far as the administration, um, as we, you know, we obviously go into midterms and we're looking at, you know, obviously campaigning and another election year coming up. 
you know, th- their mandate is to one, make us, you know, in a better spot, right? And I think the, the, the president and the administration is doing their best in that aspect. Um, if some of it's out of control of, of, you know, obviously the administration, but if you look at the Fed, that's kind of their mandate to keep us all employed um, and also keep price stability at a, at a solid level. Yeah, so I always wonder when we're obviously predicting this recession and it's happening right now, but are, is it too late when we start having the conversations? Is it too late to kind of get out of it when we're doing it? Because it, it feels like we're already experiencing it. So what more can we really do to help ourselves get out of it except for just wait it out? That's such a good question because it's kind of that self-fulfilling prophecy. We, everyone talks about it so much that, like, you see consumer sentiment has dipped to low, low, really low levels yeah. uh, with that Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index. So it's kind of that self-fulfilling prophecy that we're seeing here where everyone is so worried about it that people are going to stop spending, traveling, all that stuff. I think, you know, the best thing you mentioned is, like, let's see. Uh, let's kind of let's wait and see, right? We haven't, you know, we saw the, the economy contract in the first quarter, right? We haven't got the numbers in the second quarter. So let's wait and see what's actually happening. And then people can kind of make their adjustments. If we do see that we're in some sort of recessionary period with the second quarter numbers that come out, then people could make adjustments. But if we jump the gun on this, for lack of a better term, excuse me, um, then you're really, you know, you're really putting yourself, people are putting themselves in a not as favorable position. Yeah. Do you think there could be more, you know, like what we saw, the pandemic checks, like we might have recession checks? I don't know. Like so many big companies have put their hiring on hold. The firings haven't, that like layoffs haven't necessarily started in that way. But like, I don't know if you feel this, like once those big companies and the tech companies that typically aren't bothered by that or aren't as worried, once they start doing that, I'm, I'm, I'm scared we're, we're going to continue being in a really bad place. I think I just, I couldn't see that because, you know, it was needed 100% during the pandemic where we had, you know, they, they call it the term is like helicopter money where they were sending out checks, right? But what did that do? That amount of dollars, all those dollars were taking the same supply, even less supply because supply constraints. And so that's what's risen prices so much. That's what's pushed prices yeah. up. So that was one of the big better uh, factors in inflation. So I don't see that where the Fed is right now and they're mandated to take liquidity out of the market. That's why they're raising interest rates. They're, they're lowering their balance sheet because they want to take liquidity and money out of the market so less do- dollars are chasing the same amount of things. So I don't see that. What I do see is... Um, you know, if you look at it from state by state, California, they actually had a budget surplus. So they're spending out $1,050 to everyone in their state because of that, because, of course, people are dealing with high gas prices and different things. But they had a budget surplus. The Fed has a mandate where they need to shrink their balance sheet. They need to take um, liquidity out of the system. So I just don't see us, you know, doing more of those checks this time around. Definitely. Okay, that was Delano Saporu, a CNBC contributor. And he also does so much more, so just check him out online. <laughs> Thank Appreciate you again. Talk to you soon. All right, what's up next, Ryan? Well, up next, how black Republicans could affect the upcoming midterms. I hope you are ready for this conversation because it's quite interesting when you think about it. Up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, while the Democratic Party tends to have a lock on black voters, black Republicans are confident their ranks will continue to grow are, are will continue growing ahead of the midterms in the 2024 presidential election. Now, this year, black voters support for Republican candidates rose to 27 percent up from 12 percent in November, according to a, a March Wall a Street Journal poll. Now, uh, this is very interesting news. Yep. We are going to um, be joined by Cheyenne M. Daniels, a race and politics reporter at The Hill. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Thank you for having me. Yeah, so, um, you know, the RNC is tracking more than 160 black Republicans who filed uh, to run for office. Of them, 120 are still running. What could this mean for the midterms? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so when I was speaking with um, Mr. Paris Denard, who's the Black Media Affairs Director and, and spokesperson for the Republican National Committee, um, he was saying that what this is showing is this is how... Republicans are really going to get House Speaker Nancy Pelosi um, out of not just being speaker, but out of the Senate completely um, or out of Congress. I'm so sorry. Um, and so he's really looking at how this movement of, of new black, not just politicians, but voters on the Republican side can lead to Republican control of Congress. And what do they feel like they're passionate about that the Republicans are fighting for when it comes to the black community? Mm. For Mr. Denard and Mr. Jimmy Lee Tillman, who I spoke to, who who ran um, for Senate in Illinois um, and and lost his uh, primary vote, what they're really looking for is this um, American first policy. Um, This idea that it's been under Republican presidents that black Americans have had the most success when it comes to getting unemployment rates down, when it comes to having somebody who wants to invest in things like, you know, pro-life elements, um, things that are really based in faith. Um, And they feel that that is the Republican Party, uh, Mr. Denard and and Mr. Tillman. um, And that's what's going to drive black conservatives to the polls come November and and potentially in 2024. Yeah. And I I guess a lot of people would think this was kind of shocking, especially in the in Mm -hmm. the in the moments where, you know, black voters are getting their kind of their rights taken away in a lot of these Mm -hmm. states when it comes to gerrymandering, when it comes to the voting rights, of course. Um, But I think what what are you hearing about? black Republicans and their issues with like Democrats, you know, what, what, are, what are the, some of the concerns that they're having, which is allowing them to switch, switch parties in this moment? I would say I'm not so much convinced that they are having any specific concerns. It's more that um, one of the things that you just mentioned was about the potential for voting rights to be taken away for in, instance. Um, and there's this very firm belief that, that's not going to happen, that the Republican Party is not, you know, a, a racist or, or uh, full of individuals who espouse racist uh, beliefs or detrimental policies that could negatively impact a large majority, if not all, black Americans in this country. And so I think it's more for them. They're looking at, um, again, some of that, that faith-based uh, uh, elements that they feel that the Republican Party has, that they're not seeing so much coming from the Democrats, they're saying, or, um, you know, they don't feel like the Democrats are looking to invest in things like their neighborhoods. Um, and, and so that's why I, it's not necessarily concerned. It's more just that they're saying, I, I don't just I don't see this happening for the Democrats. So maybe it's time to ask the Republicans to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask Mr. Mr. Tillman or Mr. Denard. Is it as much a switchover or folks that were always Republican? Yeah, so it's actually, um, I would say, Maybe not Republican. Um, so this is something that I discussed in the article with uh, Dr. Tasha Philpott. And what she pointed out is that for um, black voters, there are quite a few conservative black voters out there. But black conservatism does not very often translate into black GOP support. Um, And and part of that goes back to what we were just talking about, which is some of the concerns of, is this a non-racist party? We're not so sure. So it's that 
black voters do have some of those conservative values or ideals that we associate with um, conservative values. Um, and it sounds like uh, Mr. Gennard and Mr. Tillman really want black candidates to play that up in order to draw those conservative voters to the ballot box. You know, like mm-hmm. they're already having some of those ideas. You just got to get to the ballot box or get well, get on a ballot. I'm just wondering mm-hmm. now, is there mm-hmm. anything that they can do? Because Democrats have always had a messaging issue. And if Republicans mm-hmm. figure this out, how could this be damaging on a political side for Democrats, especially losing a, mm-hmm. a large chunk of voters mm-hmm. that are black and people of color? Mm-hmm. I think that's a very interesting question that um, both Mr. Denard and Mr. Tillman addressed. And they said, look, we're not reaching the voters that we need to. And that's something that we do need to step up onto. And for Mr. Tillman, that means getting out to places like individuals, uh, uh, county boards, or getting onto the school boards, these things and saying, hey, you have these concerns, get out there, start running for your local office so that other folks will see that you're running. They'll vote for you. It'll inspire them to go out and perhaps take up the mantle to also get onto these different uh, political platforms. But then on the other hand as well, you also have uh, uh, Professor Sopat who, who believes that, you know, that that might not happen so much. It, it, the Republican Party might not be so ready to start, you know, sort of opening their arms up to so many black candidates, black voters. Yes. But as she pointed out, you know, black or, or the Republican Party doesn't actually need um, black votes. Um, it is the Democrats who need it. And so really at this point, you know, it's the Democrats who need to step up their messaging and maybe, you know, take a leaf out of <laughs> Mr. Tillman's book and start saying, hey, you guys want to see change? Let's yeah. get you into office. Let's let's get you into, you know, whether that's local office or again on the federal level. Well, Cheyenne M. Daniels, thank you so much for joining on uh, the show. We hope to have you back. Cheyenne is a race and politics reporter at The Hill. Thank you once again. What's coming up next year? Uh, Next up, should you dump your rich friends and how do you go about Uh doing it? (laughs) Come on, self-made billionaire. (laughs) Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Should you dump your rich friends? Well, that's a question that this one person asked on this advice column. But the reason why she asked that is an interesting story. She says, so she lives in a very expensive city. London, right? I think all of us live in expensive cities, right? Some of us. And even if you're in a city that wasn't expensive, let me tell you, the rent is getting high. Um, And even prices of homes. Well, this person says that she keeps on meeting up with her friends. They keep announcing that they have bought homes. She's starting to feel like getting jealous and and resentful. So she asked this one advice columnist, should she just dump her friends so she doesn't experience this horrible (laughs) feeling? What say what, you? Poor? <laughs> yeah, the horrible feeling of being poor. Yeah, because that probably won't go anywhere anytime soon, especially as we just talked about being in an inflation uh, inflation meets recession. So, um, you know, I don't think you have to necessarily dump your rich friends. I just think you have to set boundaries with them. You know, I saw a TikTok recently over the weekend talking about you know, all my friends are just so successful and they always want to go out to eat or go on, you know, lavish trips. And guess what? I just don't have it this weekend. And I think that's just simple enough to say. And if your friends um, are all about just being surrounded by, you know, their money and they don't like they're not thinking of you and thinking of other people who may not be in their similar tax bracket, then maybe you don't need to be friends with them. Yeah, there, there's two things here. I think it's setting your own boundaries, right, is saying that, like, you, if you have a budget, you have to get to a place where you're okay with saying no. 
right? Not just trying to keep up. You can't, ex- people are going to live their lives, right? If they have money and all that, they get to do what they're going to do. Yeah. Then the other side of it is once you have acknowledged that and you're like, okay, I'm going to be responsible. I have my budget and that's all good. If, if you feel, and hopefully you feel comfortable if they're your real friend saying, hey, you do you. I'm just like looking at my budget right now, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then you give them a choice. Like, if, if they aren't a place to maybe help you out here and there and say, like, you, you come, it's okay, I got it. But at least they know where you're at. You can't, ass- you can't assume that, that they know spend their money on or, you. But they or... also, you can't assume they know that you're in a bad place if you're always showing up. Right. Right? And so... That means you're inherently, you got it. You take it care of Yeah, like you might. Up, and so, so I think it goes both ways. Um, and then if they're one of those people that they're like, oh, they don't want to be with you or they don't want to be friends with you because of that, then they're not the right friends. I don't know. I... If I'm being honest, depending on um, how rich the friends are, I'm never taking out my card around them. Like, you know, let's just say Mark Cuban. If Mark Cuban ever comes around, there's no way I'm ever taking out my credit card. Here's the thing. The, the times that He knows happened, better than that. The times that has ever happened yeah. with me is always, when, is when we're... No, no, no. It's when... It's when we like he just came over to say hi. Mm-mm. He ordered maybe a drink, and we were ordering a full-on dinner. I'm not gonna expect him yeah. to pay for stuff. Yeah, I guess. Just because, like, he's Mark Cuban. He's rich. I don't know. They, I'm gonna say, who's ever the richest at the table? Please pull out your car, because I'm not. But then he's always used to being that way. <laughs> that becomes so normal for him, <laughs> right? And I think he appreciates when, like, if it's like you've just come in, we invited if it's you. It's just a drink, of course. Exactly. If he's but not if he a whole had, dinner, he takes us for dinner. If there is, so I, yes, if Girl. there's a whole dinner or you're at a table and he, like, That's, he's ordered for everyone. any rich person, by the way. Totally. I mean, so, yes, there are rules and regulations it around like that. It still pay because she's too nervous to, you know, my grandmother always said a closed mouth don't get fed. And that's something I live by forever. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. And welcome back to the show. More music coming up right here on Channel Q. We're going to be talking about stoicism, what it is, and how it could be hurting or helping you. Then we're bringing you hangover tips and tricks and the ones that actually work. I don't think any of them work. And trust me. The only thing that works. I almost missed my flight to New Orleans and it was bad. Oh, going there, not even coming back. going there. (laughs) Going there, you're already on over. I'm like, please. The The one tip I have. Don't drink. Well, <laughs> Let's g- thanks for that helpful tip. <laughs> Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Uh, amidst shootings over the weekend, there were two police officers uh, shot during a packed concert and fireworks show at the Ben Franklin Parkway. And here is Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney saying this. And I mean, I don't know what more to say. You need to listen to it. I am because I'm always I'm concerned every single day. There's not an event or a day where I don't lay on my back at night, look at the ceiling, and wonder, worry about stuff. So everything we have in the city uh, at, over the last seven years, I worry about. I don't enjoy Fourth of July. I don't enjoy the, the, the Democratic National Convention. I didn't enjoy the, the um, um, uh, NFL draft. I'm waiting for something bad to happen all the time. So it's, I'll be happy when I'm not here, when I'm not mayor, and I can enjoy some stuff. So, You're looking forward to not being mayor? Yeah, <laughs> as a matter of fact. I am. Why wow. would he say that? Then uh, resign, like literally resign immediately. Let somebody else step up into your space, and and instead of you sitting back and then like you know uh, this is the wrong time is with all the shootings that are going on for you to say that you were just you're tired and of being mayor. Then step down. I mean, there's two sides. Step to this. I down. totally hear this, and I kind of like. I don't appreciate. I appreciate his honesty, his sheer honesty. I bet you the families who uh, were those police officers. Well, that yeah, got I, shot I do not appreciate. I mean, it. Th- I think he is speaking for the entire country. I'm tired. What? I think we're all tired of all. Yeah, this we're mess. tired, but also he chose to be a leader. Well, obviously, so he can't. I'm be just saying in that moment. Outcome. But then, of course, I would be like, but of course, I have the responsibility, and there's work to do. You no. know what I mean? And he didn't have that follow-up, unfortunately. No, I'm sorry. I can't give him that. It was he a cringy to, moment. He needs to resign immediately. It was a, immediately. It was not the best political moment. He needs to resign immediately. Uh, now, in a blow to claims that drug companies fueled the opioid crisis, a federal judge ruled yesterday that the nation's three major drug distributors did not cause a public nuance by shipping millions of addictive pain pills to a West Virginia community that was among the hardest hit. The distributors have denied wrongdoing and said painkillers they shipped were prescribed by licensed doctors and filled by pharmacies. They are also arguing they had no way of telling that those prescriptions were not legitimate and that any of the drugs may have been funneled to the black market. And finally, a special grand jury in Georgia has issued subpoenas to some of the key figures associated with former President Donald Trump's failed efforts to reverse his defeat. Um, those who are being subpoenaed include Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, the former Trump lawyer who told Georgia lawmakers they had a duty to submit alternate electors. Uh, Cleta Mitchell, who was on the infamous 2021 call with Georgia's secretary of state where Trump wanted to, quote unquote, find votes and others who tried to, you know, change these election results. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham has also been subpoenaed in relations to phone calls he made to the Secretary of State regarding absentee ballot rejections, according to the filings. So that will be a lot coming up there. All the subpoenas. 
2022 from 2021. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Okay, so um, I was going to do a story about Rihanna being, you know, she's about, she's making more money and she's more of a self-made billionaire, but like, meh. Um, Shout out to her, though. Great. I'm super happy she's successful. We love that for her. Um, But I found this really interesting story about Tom Hanks questioning if Chris Evans should have ever replaced Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear. Have you seen that movie yet? Which one? Buzz Lightyear? (laughs) Or no, I mean... Yes, Lightyear. (laughs) Lightyear? Yeah, that's the name. I mean, Buzz Um, Lightyear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't seen that one. I know Toy Story. Yeah. I thought you meant he had that character had its his own spin-off. He does. Okay. It's that's called right. Lightyear. Okay, Chris got Evans it. is Buzz Lightyear. Wow. Um, well, this new Pixar spin-off does not in- feature Hanks or Alan, who voiced Woody and Buzz Lightyear um in the franchise for films of Toy Story. However, um, I guess, you know, he told um uh, Tom Hanks told this uh brand called Cinema uh, Cinema Blend. It's mm-hmm. uh, like a website. Said, How about that? I actually wanted to go head to head with Tim Allen, then they didn't let Tim Allen do it. I don't understand um that. He said when the interviewer mentioned this studio replacing Allen, Hanks added, Yeah, yeah, I know, but seemed but then seemed to soften his sense. He said, Here's the thing, I want to go back in the theater with a bunch of strangers and leave with something in common. That's what I want to no. do. And going to see a movie with him, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, Tim Allen is is like a raging Republican. You know that now. Mm-hmm. Which also kind of makes me conflicted because I'm I grew up being a huge Tim Allen fan. A lot of people did. Like, yeah. No, but I mean like on another level. Like I love the the, the Santa Claus movies. Okay. Like, I never watched Home Improvement, but I love the Santa Claus movies. Like, I watched and owned all of the franchise wow, films. I'm learning a lot about you. I loved it. Christmas is my favorite holiday. I know. The Tim Allen ones are kind of creepy. So when I found out that Tim Allen was a raging Republican. It broke your heart. Because he's like a raging, like, MAGA Republican. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like... That's next level. Because if he was just a Republican, I wouldn't care. But, like, it's a little hard. Rough around the edges. Yeah, it's a little rough around the edges. (laughs) Um, But I do wonder why he didn't get to, like, be a part of it. He also has not been shy about criticizing the movie, which, of course, follows Bud's uh, origin story. He told Extra he was disappointed and did not have a closer resemblance to the character he originated. He said, this is a whole new team that really had nothing to do with the first movie. So the short answer is, I've stayed out of this. I thought it was a live action when they said they were doing it live action. That's what I thought it meant to actually have real humans and not an animated thing. I mean, was he thinking he was going to be Buzz Lightyear? That'd be He's cool. He's like super. Okay, anyway. That's your team report. We got more stories coming up next. Okay, next up. Could stoicism solve the bitterness and anger we all feel about the world? More next. I don't know. You might end up like Shira with your middle fingers up on Instagram. Hey. Is that your bitterness? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Do you feel angry and bitter about the world? Ah! I mean, well, there could be one solution for you. (laughs) And according to this Vox.com article, it could be stoicism. Oh, my gosh. Here to share more because we didn't just want to get a philosopher, but someone who actually breaks it down in terms of like our needs and like what could help. Dr. Josh Claypo, who's a clinical psychologist. Dr. Claypo is a like, what is it? Philosophizer. No, (laughs) philosopher. I am not a philosophizer. (laughs) Um, Dr. Josh. So I I think stoicism is an approach to life. Uh, that uh, a lot of people, you know, some people might be into that. Some people might be into uh, Buddhism or mm-hmm. um, religion, you could say, or just like stoicism? other forms. Is that a religion? Oh, 
Well, no, but it's like, uh, it's a full, uh, yeah, it's a practice. Can you explain, just to create some context here, what is stoicism? Yeah, and I think part of the problem is there's a really, um, the, the connotation or sort of how we tend to think about it in the sort of general way is people who are, you know, uh, emotionless, um, unflappable and detached. I mean, that, that kind of describes when we typically think of a stoic person, you know, no matter what, they, they remain neutral. They're, ne- they're not angry. They're not sad or nothing. And that's not really what stoicism is. I mean, stoicism is a philosophical approach. And really, it boils down to the idea of not, not expending energy, emotional energy or mental energy in, in those areas that you cannot control. So sort of detaching from what you can't control yeah. And narrowing yourself to engage only in those things that you actually have control over, which makes a lot of sense. It also keeps you a little more grounded, which is why people who are stoic in the true sense don't seem so so sort of all over the place. See, and I love that. This is something Ryan could actually, I I feel like, connect with. But then there's an other side to it. But yes. Well, I think there has to. I think there has to be a balance of this, right? Like, Mm -hmm. for me, I look at, you know, emotion, there's a time and a place. And Mm -hmm. I think when, in certain settings, what would you say is the time and place for, uh, what's the word? Stoicism. Stoicism. Or being a stoic. Or being a stoic. When's the time and the place to be a stoic versus when it's not? Well, and that's the thing that's kind of interesting about this. If you really drill down, Ryan, to what stoicism is, it doesn't say, like, don't be emotional. Um, What it says is be emotional or whatever you're going to do in those situations where you can have an influence. I think the only piece that it sort of lends itself to is don't waste energy with excess emotion that doesn't do you or anybody else any good. And I think that's kind of where we get this, this sort of keep it in um, or, or dial it back if it's not going to help you or somebody else. Definitely. I, I mean, because, yeah, it, it's used as an excuse to be like to not uh, be emotional or connected right. which or have compassion or empathy. And um, and I think that it also feels like it's followed by a lot of men, although in this article, um, yeah. they do say like 40 to 50 percent of the readers, Ryan Holiday, who's written a very famous book on stoicism, says uh, that percentage of his readers actually are women because yeah. he says women are dealing with those same issues and want to figure out how to navigate the boardroom or locker room or entrepreneurship or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. I, I guess, yeah, like what is your take on, on that and how we can maybe use it for what we're all going through? No, so sure, that's a really good, I think a lot of men, not only men, um, a lot of men and a lot of leaders misinterpret it and use it for a convenient excuse um, to remove emotion yeah. from, right? You know, I don't need to feel because I am stoic, so I just think, which is basically, I won't say any show, it's a bunch of BS. That's yeah. not the way it works. And so I think what uh, Ryan Holiday and his, his, his um, readers find is that if you dive into stoicism, it allows you to create a, a sense of peace where in the moments where you need to show compassion or you should go show compassion or you feel for the other person, it's fine. 
what it is saying is if you're going to be in a leadership position or an entrepreneur, pay attention to your emotional expenditure and make sure it's doing good for you and others. To Ryan's point, there is a time and a place for things. And, you know, just kind of losing it in the boardroom because you are a leader doesn't do anything for you or anybody else. Yeah, I even think about in the ways, you know, obviously we're speaking about work a lot of times when it comes to this, but I'm even thinking about, like, family members. And, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, you know, my mom often kind of was very stoic in a lot of different ways where it was it was difficult sometimes to find that emotional connection. And I wonder mm-hmm. how that can be damaging when it comes to generational impact. That's a great question. And, and I don't obviously I don't know your mom. Um, she's, she's I don't. She's, but I, I think generationally it is a misinterpretation. I mean, she may have been reserved. She may have not been able to show you the emotion you needed, which is not really stoicism. I think that's the thing that's really important. Like if you're in a relationship or you're a parent and your child is upset or your partner is upset, being able to stay calm and composed because you can't control their emotions, that's stoicism. See, but but it's not not feeling. It's just being present with strong emotions or, in the case of a parent, being able to show um, compassion without losing your control. Like, that's stoicism. It's very zen. It has this idea of that I have control over my emotions. I don't necessarily have control over what's going on outside of me. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to wrap. I was going to, oh my God, I still have so many questions. Like, how does that actually relate, like, in a practical way? Like, how do we execute on that? Do you have, like, uh, well, one, do you have, like, 15 seconds or one line of yeah. that? How do you execute on this? Uh, absolutely. Do, do this. Know that your emotions, you have control over. And so if you're saying to yourself, I am just not going to feel, then you're not being stoic. You're just stuffing it. And if you're yelling and you're screaming and you're emoting all over the place, know that that is not controlling the world around you. That is just spewing your emotions. Stoicism sits right in between. Okay. Well, that was Dr. Josh Claypo, clinical psychologist. Thank you again. Thanks, guys. Well, next up, are your hangover cures really working? We're talking about that next. (laughs) Speaking of hangover. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Are you into milk? You know, <laughs> cow's well, milk. Oh, cow's milk. I was going to say, depending on what type of milk you're asking about. Oh, mm. wow. Mm. Well, according to this one Vice.com journalist, they're disgusted by people who still drink milk. I am too. And it, it brings up the question, is it okay to be a milk drinker anymore? Is it like no, not in sh- style? We should shame the milk drinkers. We really should. This person says that milk... Is, is liquid created inside the body specifically for babies before they can eat solid food. So we should not be eat, drinking it. And that it's just, yeah, gross. <laughs> Why are you drinking the white body liquid of cows specifically? Okay. Do you like milk? Uh, well, I, uh, even though I do do vegetarian, so I sometimes do dairy, I, I was never really a milk drinker. Like the only time I ever craved milk was maybe when I had a cookie and I want to dip the cookie in the milk. Other than that, I was never that person. I almost threw up. (laughs) 
No, come on. Everyone loves to dip the cookies in the milk. No, I don't like to dip the cookies. However, um, I'm not the person that just is like, give me a, a cup of milk. To wash something other something else down. When, that is a little weird. Recently, I was with a, a couple and their child, and I know I saw you put a baby on your Insta story. I was like, "Who is this baby?" Well, that that baby was drinking the, the boob milk, obviously. M- <laughs> mother's milk. milk. <laughs> <laughs> when did you just turn to a frat boy? The, boob anyway, milk. so he uh, he was drinking that, or maybe it was like some sort of prepared, uh, you know, the powder milk. Or whatever you call it, <laughs> man. Okay, but um, no, this was more of a toddler, and they were, or, yeah, they were like, oh, they need to have a whole glass of milk, and I was like, really? And because we didn't have milk, they ended up having like almond milk. I'm like, that's a lot of like liquid and sugar, and like I don't even know what. Like, do you need a whole cup well, of that? It's gross. Of almond milk? I mean, I like oat milk. That's yeah, a little all I few drink drops now. you put in your coffee or something. No, not a whole first cup of, all, of it. Don't police a baby. That's not yours. And of course, also, I'm just saying my thoughts after. I didn't <laughs> stop them from having their milk. And then also, like, I appreciate any other milks besides whole milk or 2% milk. I feel like dairy milk is gross. Oat milk, I, I like. Um, almond milk, I also like. But to be honest, I have to stop drinking it all. Like, it's still, even though it's, it's not bad for your dairy, throat. it's bad for your throat, but then it's also bad for your stomach. Like, it gives you a little... There you go. Also, according to this article, if we look back, a lot of horror movies, the murder, you call me the bad what? person, ho- horror mur- movies, <laughs> a, a lot of them, ha- they're drinking milk it's like connected to evil murderous characters oh, okay anyway so just saying anyway time next time rap. you're thinking about drinking milk just think about the animals think about the possibility of you being milk is the gateway a, a of being murderer. a murderer is that the gateway drug to be a murderer now you know, just who saying. knew there are other options that's all i can say <laughs> Coming up, this was the weirdest segment, but, you know, we got inspired by Vice.com. Thanks, as always. Next up, we do have updates on the July 4th Chicago shooting suspect, so stick around for that and more on what's trending this hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show and stick around for more music coming up here on Channel Q. Right now, uh, we're going to be getting into the possibility of a recession or are we already in one as well as uh, what we have coming up after a week following the fall of Roe. Uh, Stick around for that in 30 minutes. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. As we've been discussing, at least six people were killed in a shooting in downtown Highland Park, Illinois, during a 4th of July parade. Dozens have been injured. And this is the latest update. The shooting suspect, 21-year-old Robert Cremo, has been charged with seven counts of first-degree murder. Uh, He had been taken into custody Monday evening. Cremo faces up to life in prison without the possibility of parole if convicted. Wow. Uh, and President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden released a statement yesterday in response to the parade shooting. Here is Biden. There was a shooter, as you well know, in uh, Highland Park in Chicago. And uh, they have, I talked to the governor and to the mayor. We're given all the help we can possibly give. I just want to keep um, just a slight moment of silence for all those families. Y'all heard what happened. Y'all heard what happened today. But each day, we're reminded there's nothing guaranteed about our democracy, nothing guaranteed about our way of life. 
We have to fight for it, defend it, and earn it by voting. And speaking of that, um, Brittany Griner has made an appeal to President Joe Biden in a letter passed to the White House through her reps saying that she has feared she might never return home and asking that he not forget about me and the other American det- detainees. Uh, Griner's agent said the letter was delivered yesterday. Most of the contents from that were delivered to him, uh, President Biden, in private, though Griner's representatives share a few lines from the handwritten note saying, as I sit here in a Russian prison alone with my thoughts and without the protection of my wife, family, friends, Olympic jersey or any accomplishments, I'm terrified I might be here forever. Hopefully this, as well as other support she has been gotten, will put this on the top of his priority list or something can happen because it is really frightening what's happening with Griner right now. And moving on to uh, a new Omicron subvariant known as BA5, and it now comprises a majority of U.S. COVID-19 cases, according to data released today from the CDC. BA5, along with another subvariant known as BA4, has mutations that have shown an increased ability to evade the protection from vaccines and previous infection. I think we can see that from everyone getting COVID, unfortunately, right now. The FDA last week advised vaccine makers to target BA4 and BA5 subvariants in some updated vaccines that they are preparing for this fall. Now, the L.A. County Department of Public Health has indicated that if the upward trend in COVID numbers continues because of this increased circulation of more infectious subvariants, coupled with increased community spread, they may order a return to indoor masks. So that might be happening. Just a heads up. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my God. We have to talk about Drake and Backstreet Boys because that happened over the weekend. And I would be remiss not to talk about it. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Y'all, Drake did the craziest thing. He um, basically, like went on to the Backstreet Boys concert that was happening in Toronto. Yeah. And he actually showed his vocal capability, which we all know he could sing a little bit, right? You want to hear it? Yeah. Here's the moment. Drake singing I want it that way I want it that way too and it's so wild because I don't know why he thought that I I guess that's not on my 2022 bucket list of Drake on the stage with Backstreet Boys singing I want it that way I guess you never know what you're gonna get this year I know. I, well, we could say that for a lot of different things. But um, apparently he was it's just... It's one of the better surprises of the year. He becomes the sixth member of uh, the you know the group. I'm pretty obsessed with it. Fans went wild after you know they started singing I, I Want It That Way. <laughs> and then he, he just literally decided to do it. And, and then he captioned on uh, yeah. when he posted this clip. When she says she's over men in this generation and asks why I live alone... And it's because the clip is, I want it that way. That's his response. We know they could use some diversity. The Backstreet Boys. Only you would make a diversity joke. (laughs) It's true.
Cheers you know, bring it on. era right now. So you know, anything's popping Advocacy, up not activism yet. I haven't gone, you know, into changing a policy. So let's be clear. That's not, the activism doesn't have to just be. That's what we've talked about that here, policy. actually. How amplification is more advocacy work versus activism. You think that's what you're doing? I'm just saying, I don't want to take the, <laughs> I don't want to overshadow like people that are actually doing the policy work. But anyway, we digress as we usually do. Maybe I'm a Republican because cheers way too well. <laughs> I'm making you you're a actually, Republican. You're actually making me want to like become a Republican. Oh my God. That's what you report. <laughs> Who knew? 2022. Another surprise. <laughs> That's your team report. Head over to weirdchannelq.com to check out more. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.